We are spread out today. I love it. We're all over the place. So just, just relax. We're glad that you're here at Church Project. Um, I'm Aaron. I'm a pastor here at Church Project. And I tell you what, you come at a good time. We just ended last week a study in the book of James. And so we were in James for quite a while. Uh, but today, typically what we do is we open up another book and we begin studying and, and we take our time going verse by verse through an entire book. Today we're not going to do that though. We're going to do things a little different. Uh, school hasn't started yet. It's kind of an awkward time to start another series right here. And so we're going to do things a little differently. So if you're a first-time guest, we're glad that you're here today. Uh, we hold the Bible in high regard. That means we, we just really like to study this thing. Isn't it novel that a church holds a Bible in high regard? And so if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the rows on each, either side here, and there's some on the lamps on either side, and, and that's our gift to you if you don't uh, own a Bible. But today we're going to do things differently, and I want to start out just by saying this. Where has the summer gone? Like, what happened? Have you realized that it is almost over? Welcome back. Look at you. Okay. I'm seeing faces. Everybody looks a little more tan and having a good time. Where is the summer gone? Uh, Lauren says this often. I don't know who originally says this, but she says, the days are long and the years are short. Like, wow, you look back and the summer is just, it's flown by. We find ourselves in places that seem so far away at times. And what I mean by that is this, at 15, I thought anything north of 40 seemed almost dead. Uh, this, I'm north of 40 right now, and I'm not quite dead, and I don't know how I got from 15 to here. Like, it just happens, and sometimes time just flies by. Time is like this. We have a couple people visiting from Crowley County or Ordway, Colorado. Time is like Ordway, Colorado. Don't bleak, you might miss it. Like, I mean, it just, it, it comes fast and it goes. And, and that's, that's looking like our summer. Like, it's starting to wrap up and that's where we're at. Well, we just ended the book of James. And in the study of the book of James, James continually talked about unity. And he talked about it over and over and over again. Like, unity. It's, it's a book written to the church, people that are within church, and it's about Jesus and who He is and how we align our lives with Him, and the whole book is written around Jesus and unity, and that's what James taught about over and over again. Unity in this body, and even unity in the world, starts with our inner unity with Christ, and, and James would paint this over and over again. If you are not confident in who God is, and you are not at peace with who God is within yourself, it's not going to play well on the outskirts of your life. James has a lot of imperative sentences that he makes, declarative statements that he makes in James. Some are very, very direct statements on how to live a godly life. He doesn't really beat around the bush a whole lot in James. He kind of kicked my tail a few times the last few months as we went through the book of James. Like, he just lays it all out there. I want to say this, now that we've finished James. Unless those declarative statements and sentences are made, and unless they're read through the eyes of freedom, they can become just a checklist in our life. 
I mean, James goes through and he talks about how to live a godly life and, and reflect the character of Christ and everything that we do. And, and unless we read the book of James and we hear this message through like freedom, it becomes nothing more than a checklist in our life that we're trying to say on the outside, I look like an awesome Christian, A++ Christian. So I want to take a minute right here this week. Just so you know, this is going to be a fun message. Because this room is filled with Christians. I can only assume. This room is filled with Christians. And because it's filled with Christians, and not all of us would probably proclaim to be Christ followers in this room at this time. Maybe some of us are, are seeking or we were dragged here. Who knows why we're here. But, the, but a majority of us in this room, are, we would probably say that we are Christians. And I also know that because it's filled with Christians, it's probably also filled with people that have been hurt as Christians. Some have been beaten up by pastors and teachers and friends who knew the law and really knew how to preach the law, but didn't know grace and didn't know how to explain grace. And I know I've been accused of that, and I'm bad at that as well. Sometimes we go, and as pastors, we want to teach beautiful truth, and so we lay out things that look like, look like law and look like declarative statements, and it may not come across as loving as possible. And for that, I apologize when you left and you felt beat up, kind of, but kind of not at the same time. Like our, our job is to open the Bible and to preach it, but some of us in this room have been deeply hurt by the church, by Christians that knew how to teach the law but didn't know how to teach grace, knew how to throw condemning scriptures at you and knew how to throw condemning scriptures at me, yet did not do so with the love and, and the grace that was needed that God displays in his scripture. And so when you sit down, there's a black card on your chair, and I refer to it often on the other side of that recall, on that card. It says, we want to change the way that people see Christ, Christians, and church because guess what? Not only in this room have people been hurt by the church and by other Christians, but wherever we go, we're going to encounter people that have been hurt by Christians and church. And, and so they shake their fists at God and they're mad at God. And so church, I would invite you with these cute little black cards that we have. This isn't our mission statement, but these black cards are, are, are really cute because what you can do is take a pile of them. They're over on each side. And when you go out to eat or when you go somewhere, you get to know the waiter or the waitress's name, and you tip them really well, by the way. And then you write, God loves you, and leave that card there for them. And it's just a nice little touch. To, there's people that have been hurt by the church. People that say they will never come back into church. And I know how. I know how. I've been hurt by the church. Have you? I've been on the receiving side of someone taking the Bible and just whopping me with the law. Whopping me with the law and leaving grace behind, making me feel like about this big. Have you? The world is full of people that have been hurt. Church, I'd encourage you to take those cards and leave them with people that have been hurt. So today I want to talk a little bit about the covenant of law and the covenant of grace. I want to talk a little bit about the old law and I want to talk about the new law. I want to talk about this thing that we, as we, as we exit James, it can be oftentimes that we look at it and go, James, you kind of kicked our tail a little bit, but I want to speak into the spirit of it a little bit. And I also want to speak into our church. 
Because like I said, unless we read through James or the Bible through the eyes of freedom and through the eyes of grace and love, it can, only, it can become quickly a checklist in our life that we are just trying to check off to say we're good Christians. I want to direct us to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to give us all time to get there. If you have a blue Bible, it's on page 667. 2 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 16. Anyone ever do the Bible drill thing? I would lose right now. And I've got big print Bible up here too. Actually, I won Bible drill once. It was awesome. It's because my friend who was really good at it was sick that day. I don't care. I was still the champion. I'm there. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 16 through 18, it's in page 667 of, of your blue Bible. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When I read this, it's hard to read the book of James and law and feel beat up. When I read this and I hear that now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, that's prayer for my life. Is that I would be living a life in such a way that the spirit is directing me and showing me love and grace and rebuking me and and teaching me and making me more and more like him. But all along realizing that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God has sought after us. He loves us. He's all about us. He's running after us. And at the end of our life and through our life, hopefully it's lived in such a way that he gets glory with everything that we say and we do. And when people come, and they will, and when the church beats us up, which it will, and when Christians let us down, and when Aaron says something that just isn't as loving as you would have loved to hear it, I apologize and I pray that the Spirit is setting you free. That you're not even letting my words condemn you. That you're finding your identity in Christ. That you're falling in love with Scripture. And you're hanging to the, the truth in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. That says when everyone, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Do you see that in your Bible? When you turn to the Lord, your veil is removed. You have a relationship with Christ, a one-on-one relationship with Christ, and now you can see things that you could never see before. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Church, hang on to this verse. Tattoo it on your arm, memorize it, do whatever you got to do to let this go deep into your soul. Because when I hurt you, when the church hurts you, when everyone around you is messing around, when Satan's coming to kill you, you get to say this. Hey, Satan, the veil has been removed from my eyes. I see the Spirit of the Lord. The Lord is pursuing me. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's truth that we can hang on to. 
That's a promise in Scripture. I'm going to get a drink. Uh-oh. Mixed up in our cocktail drink. Just go with me on this. Mixed up in our cocktail drink is one part busyness of life and one part law covenant. The Old Testament covenant. The do this or die covenant. So, so mixed up in, our, in this cocktail drink is one part of busyness life and, and one part of law covenant. And by the way, it's shaken. It's, it's not stirred. One sip of this drink will leave you numb. Busyness of life mixed in with law covenant, shaken up. Taste it and you're numb. This drink will leave you moving at the pace of life. Not at the pace of your soul. You look up one day and you realize life has just happened. Mixed up with busyness and law, Christian. And it leaves us moving at the pace of life and not at the pace of your soul. This is a drink served up by the bartender Lucifer. If I can distract God's children on the speed of life and and let them try and live up to the impossible laws, then I will have them drunk. And Satan, Lucifer says, then I can sit back and watch drunk Christians pick fights with drunk Christians. They will belly up to my bar often. And they'll take a sip of this cocktail. Exhaustion's going to set in. And poor choices that they make while drunk will cause them to run in fear. Ah, and then Lucifer, the bartender, starts rolling his hands together and smiling. And he says, when they run in fear, then shame will creep in. When that happens, all I need to do is make sure I slowly slide one more drink their way. Just keep supplying the cocktails. They will never leave my bar and become powerful. Nah. Nah. At that point, their identity will be in what they do and not in whose they are. Beautiful cocktail, the busyness of life, and the law covenant. What a mixture of death. If you're anything like me, church, if you're, if you're anything like Aaron Havens, the pace in which we live can become exhausting. Anyone? The pace at which we live can become exhausting. And one day we look up and we're moving at the pace of life, not at the pace of our soul. I'm going to say that statement over and over this morning because I think that's an important statement. 
One day we're going to look up with this cocktail of busyness and, and law and covenant, and we're going to be moving so, pa- so fast that we're moving at the pace of life and not at the pace of our soul. And when we and when I reach that point, life has become more about doing and less about being. More about life or living a godly life and less about living life with God. Let me, let me say that one again, because that one's easy to miss. When we reach that point, it's more about li- living a godly life and less about living a life with God. We care more about our outer appearance than we do in the relationship that's deep within us, that God has been chasing after in us from the beginning. So I want to propose something in the next few weeks. We're going to shake up a, a better cocktail than what Satan can shake up. We might even stir it up a little bit. We might even put a little cherry in the top of it. Like, this is a beautiful one because we're not going to be drunk any longer with the cocktail of busyness of life and the the covenant of law. That's done. That's going to make exhaustion and we're going to fight and quarrel and we're going to look up almost dead and go, what happened to our life? We're not going to drink that cocktail. We're going to give a different one. Psalms 51, if you have your Bible, open it up to that. It's in page 325 of your blue Bible. Church, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you believe that? Are you hanging on to that in your life? David, David, the the man after God's own heart. David, King David. In Psalms 51, if you know much about him, you go, how can he be a man after God's own heart? If you don't know much about him, he's a bad dude. Like, he's, he's made some, some bad choices. In fact, we get to Psalms 51. It's on page 325 of the Blue Bibles. And, and this is, I don't know what your Bible says, but in mine, like right before the chapter, it says this little title that someone has given it. And I want to read the title of, of Psalms 51. This isn't Bible. It's just man words of what, about what this chapter says. And this is what my Bible says. It says that Psalms 51 is written for the director of music, a psalm of David, When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Pretty bad, dude. Bad choice. That that wasn't good. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, then killed her husband. Not a good choice, David. And so David does this horrible act. We get to Psalms 51, and this is a song that's written after Nathan has come and confronted him, David, about, his, about committing adultery with Bathsheba. And in Psalms 51, I, I want to read a little bit, so follow along. In, in verse 1, it says, have mercy on me, O God. That's probably a good place to start if you're David. Just saying. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Would you say David has a transgression? He put plural, transgressions. I can relate, David. Verse 2. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Yeah, I'm still tracking with you, David. Now, for the sake of time, this is what I'm going to say about verses 3 through 9. Blah, 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 blah. I live the worst case scenario. I'm a bad person. You can read it later. And I'm not making light of it, but I want you to go read it. Bad case scenario. Get to verse 11, or get to verse 10, though. David, 
after nine verses of I am terrible God. Verse 10. Created me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Can you take that breath, that fresh breath this morning, church? It don't matter if you just killed a man, slept with his wife, got her pregnant. We get down to verse 10. Created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 11. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Can you hear him crying out? Can you hear him praying? Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David, the man after God's own heart, quickly realizes that in his own doings, he can't keep all the laws. He will make mistakes, and life is busy. And I believe Satan Lucifer got the beautiful cocktail of the busyness of life and the covenant of law and mixed him up and just slid it over to David in this moment. David looks up after a drunken whatever and gets to verse 10. And after coming to God and asking for repentance and, and, and asking God to mold him and to make him more like him, he says, God, please create in me a clean, a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Church, we're going to go through a couple weeks now of just a series. We're actually going to do a series. And we're not going to do just a book study while we go through verses. We're going we're gonna to be on this for a few weeks. In fact, next week. We're going to have an incredible guest speaker, Darren Glaycorn. Pastor Darren Glaycorn is coming to speak. Um, they have three services every weekend from the Cowboy Church. Um, and so it's hard to get him here. I, I've, I've gone and spoken there multiple times. Uh, but this will be the first time he's going to be here. And I'm telling you, I heard this message a few weeks ago. And I knew that when we were coming into this Renew series, that the word that God gave Darren a few weeks ago for N3C is the same word that we need here at Church Project. So instead of just copying it and trying to make it be my own, he's coming. And so I had to beg him to come. So be here next week. But we're going through, we're going through a few weeks now of a series that I just want to call Renew. Renew. And I think we're all, we can all get to the point in life where we're so busy and we're so fast and we're so focused on, on doing instead of being that, that we're moving at the pace of life and not at the pace of our soul. And so I look in verse 10 and I look in verse 11 and I look in verse 12, especially verse 12 when it says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Church, can you hit a moment and pause back or, or think back, reflect back into that first moment when you realize that you're in need of a savior, that first moment when your, your, your spirit just started jumping and you had joy and you're like, amen, and, and you're just so excited to stop living for yourself and start living for Christ and our and 
you guys this summer got to see a lot of, of young men and women give their life to Christ. They'll thank you for what you're doing, and you get to see it live. And when you see someone that's a teenager give their life to Christ, it, they, they haven't learned that they have to be politically correct yet. And so when they give their life to Christ, like you physically see it all over them. They're like jumping and breaking CDs and who knows what they're doing, but they're, you can see that there's joy in their life. And then it, as adults, we turn to be a little more politically correct and we can say, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Church, do you remember that moment when you first realized that God loved you and he redeemed you and he pulled you from the, from the pits of hell and he's washed you and made you white as snow? Do you remember that moment? And David, on the backside of committing adultery and murder, says, he looks to God Almighty and he says, and he realizes, I am not a person bound by the covenant of law and where the spirit is, there is freedom and God, please restore to me the joy of that salvation. Make me new. We get to verse 12 and it says restore. If you look up the definition of restore, it says this, to give something that's stolen or removed back to the original owner. To give that stolen thing back to the original owner. Some of us, unfortunately, are bellied up to the bar of Lucifer and we're taking the cocktail of busyness and the law covenant. It's time to back away. It's time to back away. It's time to sober up. And it's time to say where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's time to think of the things in our past that Satan's still trying to whop us over the head with and say, we're not good enough or shame on you for doing this. It's time to take that and push it back and say, God, please Break me and make me more like you and restore my soul. Give back to me the original owner, that thing that you gave me long ago. It's never left, but I'm not thinking right in this moment. It happens. We look up one day and we're north of 40. We look up one day and sin has taken us further than we ever wanted to go. We look up one day and we're just bellied up to a place in a bar that we don't want to be at. Church, my prayer for us is that as we go through renew, that we'll slow down. Look at what 2 Corinthians 13, 16 and Psalms 51 says. The spirit of the Lord is freedom and renewal. Some of us may need to stop, not that it's bad. We need to stop being so intellectual, and we need to let the Spirit guide us. The Spirit of the Lord is freedom and renewal. To be renewed, to be freed. I don't know what God's telling you right now, what His Spirit is saying to you right now. For some of us, it may be you're too busy. Slow down. For some of us, it may be you're too slow. Speed up. Move at the pace of your soul and let God set that pace. So this week, as as I was really thinking about this series, and it's been a long time since I've done series teaching, 
So I'm kind of rusty at it. Oh, well. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking of creative things that, that we could do, and, and I sent out uh, just a couple texts, and it said, hey, send me a picture of you doing something that gives you life, that gives you life, returns you back to that moment where you're like, okay, life is pretty good. And so I got, I got a few responses back. What gives you life? Do you have any of those pictures back there? Look at that. That's mine. I like that. That's a hammock, by the way. You didn't know that was going on there, but it's on there. <laughs> that, that for sure would give me life, Jonathan. <laughs> Church, don't let Satan distract you and make you so busy that you lose focus. Make you so busy that you try to overperform and keep all the laws and look really good on the outside. This is about a relationship. First and foremost, they don't matter where you've come from, what you've done or what you currently are going through right now. David spent nine verses, which I would invite all of us to fall on our face and do this week. And nine verses were, oh God, please forgive me. Rebuild me. I'm a mess. But he didn't wallow and stay drinking that cocktail mixture. He let God break him. And you see a true brokenness in David. But he got to verse 10, didn't he? Some of us stay in the first nine verses for our entire life. Oh, I'm terrible. I'll never amount up. On and on we go. Some of us this week, we need to spend a lot of time in verses 1 through 9, but my prayer is that we get to verse 10. And I want to look at verse 10, 11, and 12. And this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for me. God, please create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. But God, please restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. My prayer is that as we sober up this week and we push back from that bar that Lucifer set before us, that as we start detoxing, we will be broken, we will be humbled, we will be renewed. We will have a contrite spirit and the joy will start coming back into us that we will be people that are freed, that are not bound by the sins, but by the chains of sin. And I'm going to ask you, I don't even know how this works because I'm north of 40, but maybe our storytellers can help us or our teenagers. I'm going to ask you to hashtag, hashtag, okay, um, your pictures, renew CP. So this is our hashtag. So I don't know how that works. You're You post it somewhere and you put a hashtag. You guys can explain it, but somehow in the cloud it gets all together. And so so whenever you're posting your 
Instagram or tweet or Facebook. Put, put hashtag renew CP. You guys can explain it better next week than I can. But here's what I'd love to see. I, I, would, I would love to see, even next week, let's, let's begin to just show pictures, physical pictures of Laura in the mountains with her friends, you know, in beauty with friends, and, and it's restoring her soul, and, and horses, and motorcycles, and hammocks, and what, what are things that we're physically going to do this week, that we're going to put ourselves physically in the posture of God restoring and renewing our life this week, so we're not just up on the bar of busyness and the cocktail of of you know law, but we're really focusing on the relationship of who God is, His forgiveness, His love, and the covenant of grace, not the covenant of law. So when James wrote, and we just ended a whole bunch of do this, he wrote it through the lens of freedom. That when we see how to live a Christian life, and our life isn't lined up with that, it would bring us to repentance. So that we would live a life of freedom. Why? So God would get glory in everything that we do and say. So hashtag your renew CP pictures. Let's share. Let's encourage each other online next weekend. Let's share. And I would say this. I read this. I thought it was clever this week. Take time to relax, especially when you don't have time for it. Psalms 51 is David walking towards renewal. And may we model that with our life this week. That's all I got. I'm going to ask us to pray. If if you're comfortable with it, if you would uh, just close your Bibles. In this place where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So wherever you're feeling condemned or wherever you're feeling bound, I would ask this question. One, do you know Christ? If not, you will be condemned and you will be bound. But if you know Christ, if you've given control of your life to Christ, he says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And as a child of a king, you are free. My prayer is today that as you sit here, that God would restore you, that he would renew you, that his spirit would speak to you. If there's things in your life that don't line up with scripture, that this morning you would ask God to forgive you of those. And you would spend adequate time in verses 1 through 9. But that this morning you would even move into verse 10 where you just cry out to God Almighty and say, I am a human and I don't know how to do this, but God, would you create in me a new spirit? Make me more like you. Restore me. You say that when I have your spirit and as a child of a king, I have your spirit, that there's freedom, but I don't feel very free right now. Would you please free me from that mentality? May I be bold enough to cling to your promise that when you live in me, you give me freedom. May my actions, my thoughts, 
my deeds, may they look more and more like you. And when I have mess-ups and when I have hang-ups, may I spend time repenting of those, but may I move to look more like you through those bad and those poor choices. And God, may your grace pour over me abundantly every day. May your mercies be new to me every morning, every moment. God, turn our hearts to you. God, turn our church to you. God, please turn our city and our nation and our world to you. We desperately need you. May we go to you for the answers. May we go to you for our identity. May we go to you for our freedom. May we give up control of our life for you. To you. That you would be glorified in our world. God, I pray for us as a church and as individuals that you would begin to do a new thing in here. And I don't even know what to pray for this new thing. But I pray that you begin to build a unity and a joy and a love in church project and in our hearts that is overflowing, that we can't contain it, that it's flowing out in our lives, it's flowing out in our businesses, in the places that we go, it's flowing out in our families, it's flowing out on Sundays when we come together, that this building wouldn't even contain the amount of people it's overflowing on, that your spirit would be free. God, we want more of you, I guess is what we're asking for. We want more of you. Thank you for setting us free.